the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leaving up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome to Buckets. Thanks for joining us. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by Brandon Anderson for Friday Happy Hour on Buckets. Make sure that if you're betting anything this season that you are using the Action Network app to track your picks. You get up to the second information on where the money is coming from on both spread and totals and money line. In addition, uh, you'll get sharp signals, our pro systems, as well as all of our analysis all of that in the Action Network app. Download it right now immediately. While you're listening to this podcast, open up your mobile device and download that app immediately. Uh, make sure to check out all the other great podcasts on the Action Network Podcast Network, including you got the Action Network Podcast, which is our main NFL feed. Brandon and Raheem are on uh, Mondays and Fridays. Fridays with a hot read where you get lines to look ahead to and already be ahead of stuff. I've made money off of that. It's been great. Check out our new football Soccer podcast, Wonder Goal, Wonder Goal, um, and check that out. It's great. Check out the Fantasy Flex if you're into fantasy on football. Uh, check out the Monday episode of Buckets if you are into NBA fantasy, which I am uh, currently doing quite well on my underdog drafts, best ball drafts. So excited about a good start there. And uh, check out Big Bets on Campus, which covers college. Best college football pod you're going to find in the entire universe. It's so good. Stucky and Colin are so detailed. The analysis is cracked. Check it out on Big Bets on Campus. On today's show, we're doing a lightning hour. The NBA season just started. We got two days under the belt. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. So Brandon had the idea. He wants to do one minute on all the teams that have played a game so far because he thinks that he and I can do anything under a minute. So I am very impressed with his optimism. Brandon, take it away. All right. Well, we are basically just going to go in sequential order-ish on the game. So Tuesday night in the opener. So uh, we, we split these up. So we're just going to have each of us do some of these games. So you had the Tuesday night openers. Bucks, Nets. Bucks won 127-104. What did you see from these teams? The Bucks are just monstrous. They're going to be less monstrous. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. Uh, they're without Drew Holiday, who got hurt in that game. Brooke Lopez is out for the uh, Thursday night game as well. But in that game, the biggest thing here was all in the offseason, there was an early rise on the on the Nets value. Everybody was like, oh, the Nets are going to kill everybody. Oh, the Nets, the Nets, the Nets. And I, I was I first was like, yeah, they should be great. And then I was like, they still don't have a front court. They just don't have anything. And that was just proven true. Blake Griffin is not your answer. Nick Claxton, not the answer. LaMarcus Aldridge, certainly not the fucking answer. They do not have enough front court defense to handle the physicality of the better teams that they're going to have to go through if they want to win a title. I get it. No Kyrie Irving. That's great. You're going to have to play some defense. KD had a great game. Didn't matter. Giannis was the best player on the court in the world. He's been amazing. Our MVP futures are off to a great start. That's my, my wrap up on Nets Bucks. Yeah, the I'm worried that the Nets did the Warriors thing. Like, remember for for the Warriors super team, they kept signing every year, like, oh no, we don't have a big man. Let's sign seven also not good big men. And that will solve the problem. To me, I'm almost less worried. Like we knew the big men were bad. What I saw here was what about the wings and the guards? Like, where's the depth on this team? Because with no Kyrie. Like Patty hit seven for seven in this game and they still got absolutely blown off the court. So here's my question. As dominant as Giannis is against this team, and we agree these are the two teams to be in the East, do we have the wrong East favorite? Should the Bucs be favored? 
Yeah, I, I'm going to look and see where the the where the numbers move over the weekend. I would imagine the Bucks are probably going to move into the number one spot just because there'll be an early flood of like, look how awesome they are. But look, the injuries are already an issue. This team has just played a lot of basketball. Um, I think we got to be patient on that. But if we're talking about who do I expect to be the best team at the end? Yeah, like I've had the Bucks in the finals for a while. I think the Bucks are winning the East. All right. Speaking of teams that are probably going to miss the playoffs, the Los Angeles Lakers lost the <laughs> opener 114-121. The Warriors look good. The Warriors look back. What did you think about these teams? I had the Warriors money line. We gave that on buckets. That was my, my best bet um, or one of my best bets on, on Tuesday rather. And I, I just got to say like that game should not have been close. Like golden state. Here's the thing. Like Curry shot terribly and they still lost by double digits. That's extremely worrying for the Lakers, but it's also the Warriors could have played so much better. Um, Otto Porter did not play as much as we thought he would. turns out he's on a minutes restriction. Steve Kerr said that at practice today. So um, he's expected to get ramped up a little bit more. Jordan Poole, great start for six-man most improved player. Let's go, Jordan Poole. Um, I thought Kevon Looney gave them good minutes. They were able to match up. Look, there's going to be a, I, I, my best bet, my first write-up, I did the guide for that game. There's an adjustment period with playing with Russell Westbrook. There's, it's going to continue. Like, I'm probably taking the Suns. Over the weekends, like I just, I, I think I'm taking the Suns. I think the Lakers are going to start off slow, and then they'll they'll start facing the bad teams, and they'll have enough with LeBron and AD. LeBron looked fantastic. Uh, AD made jumpers, and then stopped making them, and then all of a sudden looked human again. Shocker! AD fell down ten times in that game, Brandon. Ten times. I love that you counted that. <laughs> so that's a good one. That's actually from Cran. Just basketball over at Basketball Index is the one who showed that. So, oh, and just finally, the Lakers second unit is going to be an absolute dumpster fire. I'm going to be fading them in the second quarters. I feel like the Warriors finally know who they are and actually built the right team this year. For for so many years in a row, they've had this stud core. And then every year I'm like, what are you doing with these signings? We talked about this in the offseason a lot and it showed, you know, Bielitsa looked awesome. The short roll passing is going to be a ton of fun, especially with him and Draymond out there and his shooting, spacing them out. Uh, Iggy looked right back at home again. We kind of wrote him off. Some good plays from Wiggins down the stretch, who I thought Wiggins played within his role, which I was kind of worried about. Wiggins isn't trying to be more. He seems happy. Like, he got paid. Um, He's unhappy because he's vaccinated. But, you know, in general, he looks happy to play within his role, and that's actually a big key. If Wiggins just just hits corner, like, just hits spot-up threes and grabs rebounds, that's actually a helpful player. Andre Iguodala also looked uh, way better than he looked the last two seasons with Miami. He looks very rejuvenated back to be with the Warriors. For sure. All right. Speaking of Wiggins, my Minnesota Timberwolves, 124, 106. Yes. Huge win over the mighty, mighty Rockets. Yeah. (laughs) Rockets opponent overs. That's the direction to go here. The Wolves had 72 at the half. There's not a lot of defense there from Houston. We knew that, but man, the Wolves look good. Towns, D'Lo and Ant had 81 points on 52 shots in this game. That trio played only 326 minutes together last season. So we don't really know yet what this team can be uh, once they actually have all the three guys that they're trying to build around. And with Chris Finch and it looked like a modern team last night, like they, they shot the ball, they spaced it out. You know, it's a soft schedule. Here's the schedule for Minnesota coming up two games against the Pelicans back to back right now in Minnesota, then at Milwaukee. So, you know, can't stand a feet forever, Denver, Orlando, and then two against the Clippers. I don't mind facing the Clippers early on this, this season either. So the Wolves could be a hot start here. Uh, hopefully the Wolves Twitter account decides to just can it for a while and not start pulling up all the old social media posts if they go 3-0 and or something. But I think like 6-2 and two is in play. The Wolves might be a good play early on. 
Shangun pop for the Rockets. He looks good. He had three steals. He had 11 and six. KPJ definitely flashed, but it's uh it's gonna be a fun season for the Rockets in that there's gonna be a lot of points, but it's they're gonna lose a lot. <laughs> Did not love nine, four, and four for Jalen Green for our rookie of the year start. Did not no, no. enjoy that with a minus 37. Um, but part of that's I knew this is gonna be a great wolf spot because the wolves are gonna blitz him and that he's not ready for that. Like if you're a ball handler, KPJ and Jalen aren't ready for that kind of pressure. Uh D'Lo had 22 points, but six of 16 shooting. Got to the line. Don't know if that's sustainable. A little bit, a little bit concerned about that. And though. Looked absolutely fantastic. I like starting Josh Okogie and Jaden McDaniels. Like, I, I like that Finch is like, I have enough offense. Let's play some defensive guys. And they have a good balance now. They're off, their defensive players are not liabilities on offense. They've spaced the floor well, and they'll make the, the kind of plays that they need to. They don't have drag. Um, yeah, I'm high on – I was high on this Wolves team. Best bet for the over. Uh, this is exactly what I wanted to see to start. I don't care how they do versus the good teams. I want them to be up the bad teams. This is exactly what I want to see out of the gate. Yeah, I agree that this is not a team that has beat up on the bad teams or even taken care of the bad teams in the past. So that speaking of rookies of the year, Cade Cunningham watched the Detroit Pistons hang around all game and then lose to my Chicago Bulls by six. So Zach Levine took care of business late, kind of uh, maybe in on the Bulls a little bit. They're looking pretty good. What'd you think? You know what's funny is they actually disappointed me. They should have won this game. They <laughs> they really should have won this game by like twenty. Um, Vucevic missed a bunch of bunnies, and you know that you can be frustrated with that. That's what he's good at. Like Vuce, uh, Vuce is going to be fine. A lot of their assists were low because Vuce missed a bunch of those bunnies. He'll be better. DeRozan was fine. He fit in just like he he was DeRozan, right? It was everything that you would kind of expect from DeRozan. I will say this: I like their defensive effort. Um, especially in the second half. In the first half, I thought that they really were like passive. Finch, I think, got into them. Hey, let's get up into guys. And that they started pressing a little bit more in the second half, and that looked better. Alex Caruso has already made every Bulls fan fall in love with him. Real handsy. Just, I get it. He's disruptive. You like to see guys that are disruptive and physical. Little handsy. Quit fouling so much, Alex Caruso. Um, Lonzo was okay. The fit with it was Levine. He murdered a, a, a fast break, but then he hit. A, he helped him with another one. Levine, though, that was my big takeaway. Is like Zach Levine looks primed to pick up right where he left off last year. Did not look like Levine's was a one year outlier. I think Zach Levine's going to be an All Star. I think that Zach Levine's going to be in the MIP conversation. I think Zach Levine's going to be an All NBA conversation. That's right. I said it. Uh, I am here for Zach Levine making the leap, uh, but I honestly think that they'll be better. Uh, I will say this: the, the the numbers for the Pistons in the second half were poor, as you would expect. But they moved the ball really well in the first half. Isaiah Stewart um, impressed me. Sadiq Bay's numbers were really bad, but he had some one on one possessions in the first half, which is why they got the lead. I was actually kind of impressed with him. Jeremy Grant's just trying to do too much. There's a lot of Jeremy Grant, and this is the problem: is like this team's built around young guys wanting to share the ball, and there's Jeremy Grant trying to kind of like prove that he's still a star. And worth and the, his decision to leave the Nuggets for the same money to go to Detroit was the right move. Not looking great there, Jeremy. So um, we'll see. But Detroit looks like a tank team by midseason, and the Bulls look like they're going to be a playoff squad, exactly like we thought. So love it when the the first result confirms that we're not panicking after Game One of our <laughs> Bulls futures. Um, so good start for the Bulls. Yeah, Jeremy Grant, a lot of one on five late in the game. Just yep. Grant being like, all right, well, it's a close game. I guess I'll try to score. And I'm not really sure what the other options are. I guess, you know, move the ball, try to get a shot. But I remember last year, Detroit was a, a good try-hard team that would hang around. You know, they're, they're clearly going to lose, but they would play hard and show up and fight, play good, you know, try hard in defense. And then you get into the fourth quarter. So the, I'm going to look in the bet, live bet against the Pistons on like live money lines or, or shots where it's kind of close because I think we're going to see a lot of this kind of Pistons game where they fight hard, they lose. It's all right. That's perfect. This team is supposed to lose. 
They're going to do a lot of it. You know, once Kate gets in the lineup, they'll lose a little more. It's a perfect scenario. Try hard, entertaining basketball, lose at the end. But I think live betting against the Pistons there is a good move. I'm excited as a fan. I'm excited from what I see from Lonzo Ball. I know that you felt like the eye test didn't quite match what the result was, but there's lots of high IQ plays, smart plays, getting the right pass move ahead, getting in the right spot defensively, saving the balls, like effort sort of guy. So I, that made me excited as a fan. One last thing on the Pistons. I'm going to be live betting their second quarter, starting with the next game. Not live betting. I'm going to bet a pregame. Kelly Olenek and Corey Joseph are absolutely going to cook on the second unit. Olenek looked really good. The numbers weren't there. That combo was one I, I circled in preseason, and it looked exactly like I thought. You got a veteran. You got two veterans that know how to play DHO. Those second units for Detroit are going to sneak up on teams, and they're going to be big dogs because the second quarter lines are just split from first half. So you're going to have a really good spot there to bet them in second quarters pregame and get a really good number, or bet them live uh, that'll probably be like i have a hard time betting live just because of their, i'm trying to track so much stuff but if the pistons go down big in that first in that first quarter the lines usually reflect them kind of losing the second quarter they'll probably win more second quarters than first quarters over the course of the year so there's a, a big betting opportunity there all right uh, let's go to grizzlies Cavs 132 121 cleveland decided that they're going to apparently start lowry marketing at small forward I always have joked that Lowry is kind of just a tall shooting guard and apparently Cleveland agrees. I know what you're doing here. Get Isaac Okoro into your lineup. Get him out on the court. We got three seven-footers, Lowry, Mobley, and Allen out there. Cleveland got out-rebounded by 17 with three seven-footers in a starting lineup by Memphis, who is not exactly like this amazing rebounding team. So I'm looking at Cavs overs. That defense is not going to happen. Lowry as a perimeter defender, not going to happen. Seclin backcourt, not going to happen on defense. Uh, John Morant lived in the lane in this game. He was just constantly just at the rim getting buckets. And John's going to do that a lot, but he's especially there a lot in this game. So for props, I'm looking at uh, opponents against the Cavs who have great perimeter players. Give me their points. The guys are going to get get their buckets and get their numbers against Cleveland, I think. Uh, Memphis, we like because of their bench. It looked good. Uh, and this isn't even the full bench because like Dylan Brooks is out in this game. Our guy, DeAnthony Melton, in the starting lineup, looking good, 24 and three, and had four threes in this game. John Morant, 37, six and six. That was one of my most improved guys. Great start to him, similar to last year. Uh, playing really fast, too. Memphis got up 100 shots in this game. So I like that. I thought that they might play faster without Valanchunas. So that's another over that I might keep an eye on here. What'd you think of either of these teams? If Lori's going to start, then you need to not start Mobley. And if Mobley's going to start, you need to not start Lori. I don't care how you do it. Like, I, go either way. Because honestly, like, look, if you look at the numbers, okay, they had a 117 offensive rating with Lori on the court. They had a 111 with, with Mobley. But then, they, and honestly, Mobley's defense was, was uh, not defense. His defensive rating was worse. They had a 130 with Mobley on the court. That was where they really lost. Like they, they were minus 18.3 in net rating with Mobley on the court last night. You can go either way. All right. If you're going to go this, like if you want to go defense, play Mobley, Okoro, have Sexton and Garland keep up your offense and then Allen and the front court hold your defense up. That works. Or you can go offense and go offensive centric and play Lori and then um, play Lori at four and then you play Osman and go that route. That's fine, too. You can't mix and match here. Like that's the problem, I think, with with what they tried to do last night. And it's just. It's look again, I got to be really clear on this. Like they were only minus four with marketing and they were minus 18 with Mobley. So like, they, they did better in marketing's minutes. They just did. 
um, Okoro did really good work on John ja Morant and didn't get nearly enough time on him. And that's why like Ja like looked fantastic. Jaron Jackson was three of 12 from the field. I'm still worried about the offense, but defensively he made some really big plays in that game. That was encouraging. Um, DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, both of those guys are going to be absolutely phenomenal this year. They gave Ben Bain a lot more um, on-ball experience in summer league. It's paying off 22 points, eight to 16 shooting. Um, the Grizzlies looked locked in. Steven Adams, I thought, actually looked really good. His plus minus was only a plus one because he was with that bench unit. Um, but in general, I, I think this is exactly what I wanted to see from the Grizzlies. They let the, the Cavs make a run late, then they had to put him away. That's fine, honestly, for a team that's still pretty young. Um, they still were comfortable enough in this game. And Cleveland, I just think the overs, I think, are, are a smart play. But the problem is if they play Mobley, and, if they play Mobley, Allen, and Okoro, I think the defense is going to be fine. If they don't play those three together, then the, and even if they do, then we want to bet second quarter overs because then the second unit is just going to bleed. So it's going to be a balancing act yeah. with Cleveland. They got guys that are way too one way or the other. Um, Shetty Osman, by the way, five of six from the field, 15 points, minus 17, though rough start there so uh but good numbers offensively so we'll see where the Cavs go from here it was a, a pretty good effort from the Cavs but the Grizzlies I do think look uh really good yeah uh Spurs magic new year same bench for the Spurs I felt that Devin Vassell I'm really high on him he's a Mikel Bridges sort of player he had a great game uh he was plus 24 Lonnie Walker plus 26 Spurs bench mashed again we moved on from Patty Mills it does it doesn't matter Whoever the Spurs bench is, is apparently destroying teams. And it's only Orlando, so we'll see. We got, like, Drew Eubanks and Caden Bates-Diop out here murdering second units. Orlando's second unit is really, really rough defensively right now, and they're shorthanded. But I was surprised that Orlando started Suggs and Franz Wagner in the lineup. And they're, they're missing a couple of guys, so maybe that doesn't hold up. But feels like Orlando is, is uh, leaning in on the rebuild here. And it could be bad and ugly quick. Uh the Spurs are not a great team. You know, they're a competent team, but if it's this game was never close. And if it's this bad against the Spurs, then Orlando betting against Orlando early before the books catch up to just how bad it is. I know you are way out on Orlando and, and the, the early season schedule and the tank that's coming. It looked the part last night. Yeah, I have a bet on on Magic for the worst record in the league, and I took the under on 22 and a half, and it was a, a nervous one for me. They look good in preseason, look terrible here, but the Spurs are also just super competent. They're going to be so well coached. Um, one thing good to see here, uh, 12 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists for Jakob Pertl. That's what I want to see for him in the starting unit. He struggled so much versus starters last year, so this was an encouraging start for him. You mentioned that bench. Drew Eubanks had some flashes last year where I was like, holy crap, like, Eubanks is pretty good. So even in 13 minutes, him having a plus 15, like he made a bunch of plays throughout the season. That's been kind of his identity. So I'm kind of excited to see that. Um, I'm also very, very excited to see Katie Bates Diop because I just like Katie Bates Diop um, and want good things for him. Uh, one concerning note, DeJounte Murray, 0 of 4 from three-point range. That's a little concerning. Like Spurs were 13 to 30, which is a better uh, three-point number for them than they had last year in terms of uh, volume. Um, but they are going to need more from Murray from three-point range if they're going to hang around. Uh, I'll be very interested to see how the Spurs team do, does versus Denver on Friday. Yeah, I'll, I'll always say that I push back on the concern about the 0 for 4 on threes. I like the 4. You know, we don't like the O. But I don't mind, you know, four four shots up. He only averaged three per game last year. So these are getting the shots up. A, a couple more would be good. He was great in preseason. So we'll see. Uh, game of the night, I think, no doubt about it. Double overtime. Tibbs classic. Get, got a lot of minutes out of his guys. And the Knicks outlasted the Celtics after melting down and sending it to overtime. And then they came back and got the win. 138-134. What did you think about this one? Weird game. 
just a drunk. We it's great to get drunk basketball on night one. Um, Tatum goes for 20 points on 30 shots. So the reality is, is you're not going to get that kind of performance again. And you can turn around and say, well, Jalen Brown was 16 to 30 for 46. Jalen showed this kind of potential last season. Like this is a little bit above, but honestly, my big takeaway um, in the, our preseason podcast, Preston Johnson and I talked about how we might be playing Knicks overs based off of the defensive regression expected from them based off of their statistical profile last year. Pretty good start with this one uh, going over at in double overtime. Sure. But at 138, 134, um, I will say the pace in this game was a little bit nuts and the numbers weren't as bad as you might expect defensively. It was just a really fast game. Grant Williams, I thought looked really good. Robert Williams looked great. Defensive player of the year uh, capacity there, 10 boards and five blocks for time Lord. Um, that's a good start. Boy, did I hate how Marcus Smart played. He made that three pointer to send it to OT because the Knicks got real drunk at the end, but Marcus Smart, Definitely looked in that game like he wanted to be part of a big three with uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That's not the move. Like, the, and this is going to be the thing is like they they gave him the extension and they are all in on Marcus Smart after they floated. This is why Danny Ainge floated him in trades the last two years. We reported on action. None of those deals came through because of how much Steven loves him and they do value him. But they're going to have to get into a bad a better set in terms of how to balance that stuff out. I was really disappointed with the Celtics bench. I was really disappointed. Like Neesmith going 0 of 4 and a minus 14 in 11 minutes. He just looked like the moment was too big for him. Peyton Pritchard 0 of 3. Like those guys have got to give them more. They're counting on those guys to give them good minutes. Schroeder going 5 of 16 for 12 points and a minus 16 doesn't surprise me. That's why you need the young guys to actually play well. Uh you in your notes had commented that like, well, Julius Randle, you know, seven turn. Look, man, he had 35, eight, and nine. I get the turnovers are a problem, but like the biggest thing here is just that Julius Randle did not look last night. Like last year was a flu. We had two guys last year and Zach Levine and Julius Randle. Everyone's like, really? These are who these guys are really. And there was skepticism. Julius looks like it. He looks legit. Like it. He made huge plays and helped get them that win. I think Kemba will be better. I don't necessarily think this is a, a worrisome sign. I think he just had a bad game. A lot of good, uh, good players, including Jason Tatum just had bad nights. Um, one player that is not going to get enough attention for how well he played. Not Evan Fournier, who I think got enough. RJ Barrett. Plus eight, 19 points, six of 11 from the field, three of seven from three, five boards, two assists, two blocks. Great defense on Jason Tatum. Really encouraged by what I've seen from Barrett and his development. Yeah, RJ was really good. He's been a lot better than I gave him credit for. Robert Williams was a standout for me. I was watching him closely because he was a prop player yesterday. He's going to be a prop play a lot more if he keeps playing like that because most impressive thing about Robert Williams, he had one foul and it came in second overtime. Robert Williams has been a foul machine and can't stay on the court. But when he's on the court, he puts up awesome numbers. So he finished with 16, 10, and three. He made his free throws, which was new, three steals and five blocks. He had 16 points on five shots, like five for five, 16 points. It's going to work out. 203 offensive rating in a game that went to double overtime, and he was playing all the way toward the end. So I know only one game, but if Williams, obviously Al Horford was out in this one. But if Williams keeps looking this good, I will definitely be hitting his overs early on until that one evens back out. Uh, Wizards Raptors, Wizards won by 15. Uh, felt like they won by about 50. The yep. Raptors did not show in the first half. They scored 37 in the first half. Raptors unders early on looks like the way to go. My friend Jeff has been uh, telling me to do that anyways. OG Ananobi, rough start for my guy for most improved. Three of 17 from the field for 11 points. Van Vliet was five of 20. Scotty Barnes had six turnovers. Raptors missed a lot of threes. There were seven of 34. That happens. You missed threes. My worry 
is they shot 36% on two pointers against Washington, who's not exactly a team that I'm afraid of on defense. 34% EFG, 20, or 39% true shooting. Uh, not looking great. I, I wasn't too sure where the Raptors were. I thought that they had a chance to maybe stay around the playoff race. Not a good start here against a team that it looks kind of in the similar range as them. Wizards just look like they have a lot of dudes. Dan, we had a nice game. Kuzma had 15 rebounds. Harrell had 22 and nine off the bench. They're still missing Hachimura. They're still missing Thomas Bryant. Kispert didn't play. Davis Bertans barely played. Uh, KCP, Abdia, Nadal. Like there's just a lot of guys here. There's, there's a lot of decent players. I wonder if I underrated their regular season Wizards a little bit just because they're just going to have a lot of rotation dudes and they're just going to show up most nights because of that. Yeah, they were an overplay on the total because it was so low. It was 35 and a half. And I was just like, look, this is an NBA roster. Like Casey, look at the guys in their rotation. KCP, Kuzma, Gafford, Beal, Dinwiddie, uh, Denny, Montrez, Neto, Bertans, and Holiday. Those are all NBA players. There's nobody on that list that you're like, they're not going to be in the league in three years. There's nobody on that list that's out. Um, all of this, no Rui. Thomas Bryant comes back later. I will say, like, look, um, the Wizards are going to need to win games with their offense, and they shot 44% from the field and 18.5% from three. And they absolutely housed the Raptors. My big takeaway from this game, Brandon, is that the Raptors are going to be bad. I think they're yeah. genuinely good. Now, the shooting was a big part of this. They won't shoot that badly again. But here's the thing is, like, you look at that bench, which is not a good bench, and the bench was actually, like, not terrible. Only a minus eight for Kim Birch, uh, plus eight for Delano Barton Banton. I, I, will be, I will cop to not having heard of, Delon, uh, of De, Delano Banton. Am I pronouncing his name right? It's Delano Banton, and I covered the NBA draft probably, like, a 1,000 hours this year, and this dude got drafted in, like, the last 10 picks, and I was like, Delano, who? Who is this yeah. guy? He looked very good in summer league and preseason, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he was from Nebraska. He looked great. Typ- typical, typical Maasai, just pulling the dude out and being like, oh, okay, he's good. But look, Chris Boucher, three attempt for the field. Not a lot there. Um, yeah. I don't like their bench. I The fact that they're starting Achua, I think is an issue. Like, Precious Achua is starting. I just don't think Precious Achua is ready to start. I just don't think that, that he should be your starting center. Um, Scotty Barnes, 5 of 13, 12 points on, on 13 shots. Not a great start for him. But, like, I want to see more from both of these teams. But uh, my preliminary position is I'm ready to be skeptical and start firing against the Raptors. If they get a lot of love from the markets and from betters, I want to wait and see if we get good numbers on the Raptors over the weekend going into next week. Yeah, Toronto was one of the teams I had the hardest read on, and this is not a good start for them. So I'm very tentative on them going forward. Rough one for you last night. I know that you have thoughts on this one. The Indiana Pacers led early, led often. Charlotte had a huge comeback. Charlotte 123, Indiana 122. Go. (laughs) All right, so I had a, a money line, I had a money line parlay on the Bulls and the Pacers. This was a, a, a pretty sweet spot, right? The Pacers had a twenty-three point lead. I am just telling you this right now. The Pacers should have won this game. I do not care. Like I have been skeptical of Charlotte. I have been wrong on them. I went under on them again this season. This is not a good team. They're just not. There's no reason that the Pacers should have blown a twenty-three point lead. And once they blew a twenty-three point lead, they should have been and got the lead back. That should have been it. Like the the Hornets had an amazing comeback, but we see this a lot. Team start stages a comeback, but then they run out of steam. Pacers just kept screwing up. They had the clinching rebound in their hands. And Duarte, who had a great open as a rookie, couldn't grab the rebound. They get it. They get the put back. I, I just can't. Like, this Pacers team was so frustrating last night because they looked absolutely awesome to start the game. Um, in your notes, you had been like, hey, look at Sabonis' numbers. It's like early MVP. He did this exact same thing last year. Now, 
COVID and injuries hit them last year, which is one of the reasons that that got that train went off the rails. But, but um, I am just going to be like, you know, I need to see Sabonis keep this up and the Pacers win. This is the other thing. They got to win. I want to give the, t- the Pacers a break because no TJ Warren, no Karis LeVert. Like that's two starters that they're out in the rotation. I get it. It's just like, guys, you had a 23 point lead, close this freaking thing out and win the game. Like the Charlotte team is not going to be good. And I, my only hope is that there's going to be a, more buy-in on the Hornets and that they get favored again in another matchup. And so I can go against them again. I'm not buying the Hornets. Yeah. The thing about Sabonis that particularly caught my eye was the three point shooting. Uh, every year I look at, you know, more and more of these big men are shooting threes. Sabonis tried to shoot threes early in his career and it wasn't working and they kind of went away from it. He obviously can shoot and it was always going to extend out there. Four of six threes for Sabonis. And like, I know that this sounds crazy, but who's the player Sabonis is most like as, as an aesthetic is probably Jokic because yep. of the passing and all that sort of thing. Jokic MVP last year took off in part, among other reasons, in part because the scoring finally leapt. We love our points per game. And if Sabonis, he's not going to score 33 every night. But if you add in a few extra threes in here, like I'll be looking to play Sabonis point overs. And if it keeps up, I think that's what's interesting and could him. I don't know that he's an actual MVP sleeper, but he does seem like a name that could surprisingly get into the conversation. Sabonis played 39 minutes. Turner played 25. Yeah. Okay. They played a lot together because they're in the starting unit together. Get this. Sabonis had a 119.5 defensive rating. Okay. Terrible. Turner had a 100. Uh, Sabonis had a 118 offensive rating. Turner had an 89.8. Like, these splits are insane. These splits are absolutely – that's crazy. That basically means that in the minutes in which Sabonis was on the bench and Turner was on the court, they must have scored at like a .6.5 – points per possession yeah. mark. And when Sabonis was on the floor and Turner was on the bench, they must've given up like a 130. I'm going to well, check the numbers later, but yeah, I mean, that's, that has to be that 26 to two round. That's gotta be just what that's telling you. We, we just had the wrong guy on the court for that big run. And maybe that's why the run happened, but that has to be what the numbers are doing there. Well, I mean, look, Sabonis was on the court for, no, it's not. Here's why just to check third quarter, 1154 played for Sabonis, a minus 74.9 net rating. <laughs> and then Turner, 10 minutes in the third quarter. He played 10 of those of the 12. Like wow. they played together for 10 of the 12. <laughs> and we're on the court. Like again, the Pacers just lost their fucking minds. Don't do that again to me, Indiana. Okay. I really that that was a bummer last night after getting that Bulls win. Yeah, minus 74 net rating in my early MVP sleeper. I like that. Uh, all right. Sixers, Pelicans. Not a lot to say here. The Pelicans, the, the thing to me is no Zion. This team looks in rough shape. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I thought looked good. I thought he looks like the best guard on the roster. To me, that tells me more about the roster than it does about uh, Nikhil. So it's it's a mess. The defense is awful. If you just look at the roster and take away Zion for however long he's going to be out, it looks like the West 12 seed or 13 seed. Like, I think maybe you underestimate, we underestimated just how rough things could get here. The Sixers, I thought they felt like they were down two starters. Danny Green was a three point attempt and three fouls away from a 19 trillion. Danny Green had 2% usage and a zero offensive rating for the Sixers. So hooray for small samples, but come on, guy, like, do something out here. Terry Smaxey looked good. It was an easy win. A lot of us were on Philly yesterday. I know you played Philly early into the offseason already. That was just the right read all the way. Man, I, I, I bet this when it came out. I bet it in preseason. We talked about this on buckets on, on best bets on Wednesday. Just this was a, this was a ridiculous line. Like this was just, this is an, ins- honestly, I felt insulted as a better being given this line. It felt like, a, it felt like a promo bet. Like you're giving me 
any team versus the Pelicans without Zion as less than a three point favorite. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah. Like that was even after the news came out. This eventually ballooned up. They still covered easy. Like this was this is a cakewalk. Best bet of the night. Easy. One, I, I, it was a frustrating night for me because I felt like I could have had a lot. I could have won a lot more, but this was a saving grace for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jazz blew out the thunder. Uh, my takeaway from this game, poor Derek Favors. Poor Derek <laughs> Favors got to be part of everything good on the Jazz last year. And now he's on the other side. It just seems rude. Like why, why opening night? At least let him just, you know, get used to OKC a little bit. The Jazz to me are a team where, Milwaukee, the last few years used to be the team where anytime that they were a single digit line, you just take them, just take the box because you know that they destroy in the regular season. That's what this reminded me of. And the Thunder weren't that short of a line, but the Jazz are just such a good machine in the regular season. We know they did all their stuff. They shot all their threes. They they weren't even that great on threes in this game. They shot under 30% and they just destroyed Oklahoma City. So not much to take away here. Derek Favors, your buyout will come soon, I'm sure. I couldn't get it. Like, their money line was like minus a thousand. It was literally a minus a thousand. <laughs> I couldn't get. I wanted to put the Jazz in, the, in into my round robins, and I couldn't justify it because I was like, it's a minus a thousand. I just feel dirty betting this, and yeah. I should have just thrown them in just because it was such a guaranteed kind of kind of lock. I was like, because like at later, I was like, why did I just throw them into the round robin and make it a three way with with um, Utah? Because knew they were going to win. Like I knew they were going to win. Like there was no question they were going to win that game. Uh, Utah plays Sacramento on Friday night. That's going to be a, a really interesting, a really interesting test here. What I will say is I'm probably going to be betting a lot of Utah first quarters, right? Like one of the best starting lineups in basketball, they absolutely dominated bench. Wasn't was a plus, but not great. Um, this obviously is a really bad OKC team. That's going to lose a lot. They're going to tank a lot. No surprise there. Uh, but this is also a really tough test. Like it will get easier for OKC. This was a, you're on the road versus the jazz in their home opener. This is a great final exam on the first day of class. Unfortunately, (laughs) like this is just like, this is too much. Um, I, I will say like, Josh Giddy, two of seven, four points, but did have 10 boards. So that's promising as his offense kind of settles in. It'll be, I think, much better. Um, but yeah, just a, a total mismatch of a game. Yeah. Utah won by double digits 39 times last year. That's out of 72. So that's over half their game. So definitely the jazz machine is up and running. The Denver Nuggets machine is up and running. Your local team took care of the Suns in our final ESPN game of the night. What'd you think about the Nuggets? Uh, I thought they were going to lose this game by double digits. This was, I had a three team parlay on the uh, Suns, the Blazers, and the third one at cash, I forget which one it was. Um, the Bulls, I think. This was painful uh, because I was wrong. I'll say this, man. Like, I bet in the Suns. I bet them minus five and a half on the spread, too. The Wolves were the other one. That's right. It was a home opener. Um, I just felt like this was – there was nothing that changed from the matchup in the, in the playoffs, right? Like, no point guards to really attack. I, I underestimated Will Barton's impact. The Suns, I'll say this. The Suns did not look right. Booker didn't shoot well. Something didn't look right. Maybe it's just the first. Uh, this happens sometimes. Teams just don't look great in the opener. They just, the energy is just not there. I'm not. I don't think it was the Aiden thing. I think it's a broader thing. I'll say this too. They were gassed at the end of this game. The Phoenix Suns looked exhausted in game one. Like one of the reasons why the Nuggets got separation was that Aaron Gordon made a bunch of high effort, high energy plays at the end. Now the Nuggets. Revenge games are often overstated in the NBA because guys just don't care. It's an it's an A two game season. They're just going through it, right? The Nuggets had made comments about this game actually mattering. Like there was an edge here on motivation. I didn't think it would matter, but it did. Um, 
Jokic looked amazing right from the jump. Only had two assists. His hockey assists are probably much higher. I haven't checked them yet. His hockey assists were much higher. They were moving the ball. MPJ was much sharper than he was in preseason. His DHL actions, he was squaring up. Great stuff there. Chris Paul was a little bit passive and seemed a little frustrated that his team was just kind of lethargic. But I'm going to be looking at the Suns. Like, the Suns-Lakers game coming up over the weekend, I'm going to be really interested to see who has more energy. Like, this is a fast – that's going to be a fascinating one because – Right now, as of this moment, I have a little bit of concern that the Suns, a lot of hype, long preseason run, might start a little slow. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, they're the team that, like every year, there seems to be one team, I'm not sure if in both or in one of the conferences, but one of those teams that's kind of just written in pen as a two, three, four seed. And I just have had the Suns just a little lower, more like that, like the five, six, maybe seven-ish range. Like, ah, seven's a little far, but I just wonder if something, I don't know, so much went right last year and I'm glad and everything was good. I hope it goes right again, but things rarely all go right two years in a row. This isn't a good start. My takeaway was I feel like the Suns are lucky the Nuggets were not healthy last year. Um, I hope the Nuggets get healthy. I hope the Suns stay healthy. I hope we get to see it again in the playoffs. Last one of the night, Kings Blazers. Kings got the win, 124-121. As the Blazers are one of my big sleepers this year, this was very frustrating live because it was not this close. The Kings were up double digits most of the way. And it's the same old thing with the Blazers. They'd battle back. They'd score at will. Whatever their shots they need to do, hit all their shots. They go on a 6-0 run, and then back to 15 points. And they go another little run, and the crowd get into it. And, you know, it's in Portland where they play so well, and then they're back to 15 down again. There's just so many open shots allowed. And I'm, I'm not freaking out because Damian Lillard 0 for 9 on threes. Harrison Barnes made eight threes in the second half. He was 6 of 6 on threes in the third quarter. And granted... That's partly on Portland because he was wide open in the corner over and over and over. And Portland could not adjust and couldn't figure out how to get someone out there on him. He's not going to hit eight threes every game. They still had a shot at the buzzer to tie it. So I'm glad that the Blazers were able to hang around enough. The offense is still good, but there is a little... You know, I, I took the I took the Blazers in the playoffs the first round last year. And there's that same sinking feeling I had last night of like, why? Why did I do this to myself? It's the <laughs> same Blazers team. It's early, you know, Nance, Zeller, some of those guys, Snell did not play last night. We'll see how they quit later. The Kings, I don't know. Same, uh, a lot of overs for Kings and Blazers, not a lot of defense. The other note I had to Tyrese Halliburton. I love my guy Tyrese, but he had two, two and four last night. We saw the huge game from Anthony Edwards. We saw the huge game from LaMelo. Like I know we talked up Halliburton as maybe is he the best rookie from the class last year? He's, he's not like he, he's a very good player on a very nice rotation piece, but Ant and Melo, they're huge games. Like, this is why I don't love where the Kings are going, drafting Halliburton, drafting Davion Mitchell, these kind of high floor guys who are ready and they're going to be contributors, but you need the ant or the mellow swing to hit. And I think the, the Kings need that. And that's the, they're not getting it right now. I have a, I have a, I have a hot take for you. This isn't a bad game for the, for the Blazers. It's not as bad as it looks. Um, so you look at that game and you feel like 
the Kings are hitting everything. Where's the defense? Blah, 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 blah. Here's the, like the, like we got to trust the numbers here. Half court offense. The Kings scored 96.9 points per hundred possessions in the half court. That's absolutely terrible. That's 60th percentile. The Blazers were 100th percentile at 115 points per hundred possessions in the half court. So if the Blazers just get some set, some freaking rebounds and get back in transition just a little bit, then they win this game fairly easily on top. That's before we average for Dame's bad shooting night. Weird game. Weird game. Blazers in the home opener. It's not good vibes for the start of, of Chauncey Billups' tenure. It's a disappointing one. I, I do kind of – I am throwing this one out tentatively. We'll see how the whether Portland does. But, like, it's hard. If you have a good enough offense, it's hard for transition defense to kill you. Like, it's just hard to be that bad that it's a real problem. I'm going to throw this one out for now. I'm putting it aside. I'm not throwing the trash out. It's in the trash can, but I'm not taking the trash can out. I'm just putting it in there. If I need to pull it out later, I will. Um, but I'm not going to overreact. I think the Blazers are going to be okay. I think this was just a weird outlier game. Yeah, it felt worse watching live. And then when I looked into the numbers afterward, I was like, okay, yeah, this wasn't maybe quite as bad as it felt. I also didn't get to jump in until the second half when the Blazers were already down so much. And then they kept trying to come back and kept, you know, hemorrhaging points. And, you know, if Harrison Barnes hits six threes in the quarter, you're going to not look great. Usually. I mean, look, Harrison Barnes' numbers, if you start looking at him over a year, over a year, over a year, like, I know the six threes is the outlier. I get it, but I, I'm actually not shocked at that. Like Barnes is a pretty reliable player and he's actually been a pretty good shooter. Like not, I'm not as stunned at that as, uh, as you might think. Um, I am starting to get a little bit worried about the Blazers bench. That's another concern. Yeah. It was bad last year and Cody Zeller won his minutes. Larry Nance won his minutes, but Anthony Simon, Simons had a good shooting night and still was a minus nine. Yeah, Simons so, was rough. Yeah, and the Blazers honestly, their starters have been bad in second in second quarters, which is a weird thing. But it was a, that was a trend last year. They really struggled. They got scored thirty eight twenty six in that second quarter. Um, I'm going to give it another one, but I may be back on betting against the Blazers in the second quarter, even without Cantor and Mello. All right, we uh, we did our one minute per team. We should have gone to thirty minutes. We went forty. We did pretty good. I, I feel good about it. Let's uh, just give our listeners the four teams that have not played yet will have played by the time that we listen to this. Uh, Hawks, Mavs. The Luca Trey trade. What are you watching for on either of those teams? What are you trying to see from this game tonight? Well, I mean, this is our day because we'll see 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 the story is tonight. Um, I think this is a coin flip game. I bet the Mavs on the money line just because I was like, I think this is a coin flip. Um, I, I look as a Hawks backer, I've. Uh, it would be great to see the Hawks just come out and destroy them. It would be great to see the Hawks come out and like look like a top tier team. I'm not expecting it, but it would be great to see that. Um, if they lose, I'm not going to be surprised because these teams I think are in about the same kind of tier. Um, I, I will say one of the things I'm really interested in is the bench rotation for uh, for Atlanta as they've got a few new pieces. And I just kind of want to see how that looks. I'm also going to be really interested to see how much KP plays at five tonight for Dallas. Yeah, I definitely want to see how, how KP is used. Like, what do they do with Porzingis? How are they using him offensively? To me, Dallas, the reason why I have a hard time believing them besides Jason Kidd, which is really the answer to the question, I know Luka is going to be great, but I think the upside for this team is Porzingis. Like we already know that Don, like Doncic has to be good for them even to be good. Porzingis has to be good for them to be great. So I want to see how he looks and how they're using him. I just want to see the Hawks rotation. Like where's everyone's minutes fall? How are they putting the, the different units together? We didn't really get to see much of this team last year when everyone was actually healthy. Like that's the crazy thing. They made the Eastern conference finals and they weren't even healthy on the run there. So now that they're, they're mostly there, I just want to see what the rotation looks like. The heat have their first game tonight. I'm watching bam assists unders as a prop player. 
Bam had an assist breakout last year. He only had four in 83 preseason minutes. So it's just preseason. We don't know. But Kyle Lowry handling a lot more there. So I just kind of want to see, is that a fluke? I'm not playing it yet. But if I see it again tonight and just a little bit less uh, handling and opportunities, that's something I might keep an eye on. What do you think about Miami? I bet Miami. I don't feel good about it. Um, they're just too injured. We'll, uh, the Bucks are just too injured. We'll see what happens. Um, I feel like there's a good, there's a good chance the Bucks or the the Heat just blow them out, and the, the Heat fans are crowing. Um, I'm not gonna be. I, I will just say this. I'm not. I'm prepared not to be moved by either result tonight. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, last one is the Clippers. I am a little worried about the Clippers. I am. I'm worried that the Clippers might be our version, the the West version of the Raptors that we talked about earlier, where it's like there's a collection of talent, and I just don't know if it adds up to the thing we think it adds up to. I want to see like what do Terrence Mann and Reggie Jackson look like? Was it just a playoff flash, or is it actually a step up? Uh, Kennard was great in the preseason. Can that happen in the real games now? Boston, the rookie, looked good in the preseason. Are they going to play him at all? I. I worry that the Clippers in Golden State, you know, the Warriors look great. The Warriors are awesome at home. I worry that we could come away from the Clippers game being like, man, are, are we sure about the Clippers here? So what, what, are, you, what are you watching for from them? Uh, Joe Delera for us had a really interesting trend on teams that play the first game of the season against a team who has already played. Um are 25, 13, and one against the spread. So this would be the Clippers versus the Warriors. And I asked the home away splits and visitors are nine, seven, and one. So that'd be the Clippers. Home teams are, are home dogs are 16 and six. Um, so I think there's like a slight edge to the Clippers in this game. Again, you won't hear this until after it's over, but um, I need the Warriors to win this game. I, I, I haven't bet it. I'm a little bit worried, but I just, it would be very comforting to me for it to be, oh, it's not just the Lakers are terrible. The Warriors are actually good. If they lose this one in their home opener, I'm going to be like, oh, come on. Cause like, this is the thing I can't take from the Warriors is they can't be inconsistent. Like I need them to not be a high ceiling, low floor team. So I have a lot invested long-term in this outcome, but the Clippers are dangerous. They're still going to be dangerous. I think this is going to be a close game. I don't have a bet on it. Um, one thing I am going to be really looking at the Clippers bench looks shaky, but I think the, the Warriors because pool's starting, I think the Warriors may have a little bit of weakness there too. We'll see. I'm going to be paying a lot of like in, as a trend in this podcast. I'll be paying a lot of attention to this, how the second quarter plays out. All right, thirty teams in thirty minutes, uh, forty five. It's it's a Midwest thirty minutes. That's how we were all in the Midwest here. <laughs> so all right, get us out of here, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Buckets. Make sure to download the Action Network app. Check out the great podcast across the network. Go to actionnetwork.com for up to the second information on lines, where the money's coming from, everything you need to know about the games. Have yourselves a great weekend. The NBA is here. We've got more games. We'll be back next week. Fantasy episode on Monday on Buckets, and then Wednesday, our best bets episode, as well as we'll be talking about whatever the going story is. I'm going to bet Ben Simmons, because why not? We'll talk about that and more next week on Buckets. Thanks for joining.